Dialectical Behavior Therapy was created in the 1980s by Marsha Linehan in Seattle, Washington. Today, DBT is taught all over the world. We're two therapists who believe everyone can benefit from DBT skills. I'm Kate. I'm Michelle. And And this this is is DBT and Me. Hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our monthly episode for August. Yes, it is the month of August right now. It is. Sweet Jeebus. (laughs) We're like the bulk of the way through this year. (laughs) It's almost fall, Michelle. Anyway, okay. Enough with me. So, a few things to say. The topic for today is... Basically, what are some of the challenges we can think of that are a big part of parenting? And what DBT skills do we think could best be applied to those challenges? Um, we are definitely we are definitely getting, I don't know, it's from a number of different places. We've had parents write in to us at our email to try and ask for help with certain parenting situations. We've had people post comments in the Facebook group. So We thought that while certainly not all of our listeners are parents, at the current moment, neither Michelle or I are parents, though Michelle is about, is very close, very close. (laughs) I'm almost about two months away from my due date. By the time this releases, I will be less than two months from my due date. Right? It is insanity. You're going to pop any minute now. Yeah. So we do want to own that these are our best understandings from having worked with parents as, you know, our clients and friends and family, etc. But um, we know it can be hard to hear parenting advice from people who aren't parents. So we want to own that at least as of this recording, neither of us are parents. Uh, And then the last two things. One, it's still hotter than the hinges of Hades uh, in our general area. So both Michelle and I have fans going on. If that's something that the mics pick up, we apologize. And then last but not least, I am fighting off a migraine today. I am aware that it has dropped my IQ by a few, several, maybe several points. I am firing on perhaps slightly under half of my cylinders today, so... If I am umming, uhing, <laughs> pausing, repeating myself for other blunders, I ask your patience and forgiveness. Because uh, this was the only day that could work for Michelle and I. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And we're not recording in the morning like we normally do. So we're recording at a really hot time of the day. And yes, yeah, a whole bunch of things these are things. different. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I am aware that I am not quite myself. Between the migraine itself and the medications that I take to treat it, so and the heat, uh, yeah. and the heat, and well, and Janonicus Jin, our you know the local mascot, is certainly taking a presence in my lap because he doesn't care how hot it is, apparently. So he I have a little. You. I know I have a I have a seat warmer I never needed. That's true. <laughs> Well, Michelle, I think you're starting us off this time. I am. Yeah. So we're going to be going over uh, four categories that we could think of, four different challenges. And these are just big umbrellas. And I would say that this first one that I'm about to talk about is an especially big umbrella. 
Um, (laughs) And I really think that a lot of what we're talking about, too, especially this first one that I'm about to dive into, I really think it can apply to children of all ages. Absolutely. So even if you are, say, I was about to say parenting an adult child, um, the parent of an adult child, (laughs) um, (laughs) this still applies to you, whether your child is five or 35. This this stuff hopefully applies pretty well across the board because you're still a parent no matter how old your child is. So the first challenge that I'm going to talk about is having this challenge of your child not doing what you want. And this, as I just acknowledged, is going to vary and look different across the lifespan. You know, when kids are really young, this might look like they're refusing to put their coat on to go outside and play. Or this can look like when your child is an adult that you are pleading with them to not get married to this partner that you have concerns about and they're still wanting to get married or be in a serious relationship with them. I mean, this could look like so many things. But any time that you feel like you're in this spot of, I really want my child to do something, they are not doing it. And I'm trying to figure out how to reconcile with that. (laughs) How much do I push? When do I give up and let go? And yeah, it's just, I believe, an ever-present challenge that's there. I mean, I'm even thinking about being pregnant currently. And in the very early days of my child being born as an infant, you know, you have certain hopes about like, oh, maybe my child will sleep X number of hours tonight or, (laughs) you know, that kind of a thing. And well, maybe your child will do what you want. Maybe they won't. It, It just is always there. So for each of these challenges, also, it feels important to say uh, we've come up with three skills each. So all in total, you're getting 12 skills today. Uh, We only repeat, I think, one skill twice. Yep. Which is mindfulness, (laughs) of course, because there's so much to say about mindfulness. (laughs) So mindfulness applies to a couple of these. But otherwise, we're going to talk about a lot of the different DBT skills that can come into play and hopefully be helpful. So with with this challenge of your child not doing what you want, one of the first things that came to mind was using Dear Man. Now, Dear Man can be adjusted based off of your child's age and understanding. If you have an especially young child, like, you know, 18 months and younger, uh, dear man, maybe maybe not so much. Not but, developmentally appropriate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> especially if you're trying to hit on every component of dear man, your, your kid's going to lose interest real quick and toddle away from you. But dear man flushed out can be really great with older children and even a condensed version of dear man can be really great with kids who are say preschool and up kids can understand and have comprehension of why you're making the request of them that you're making even if they're deciding to not listen (laughs) there can still be a lot of value and having a framework of explaining why you want this thing for them, why you're making the request that you are making. So 
like with a lot of these monthly episodes when we're reviewing different skills that could be helpful, I'm not diving into all of what Dear Man stands for. If you're not sure, go find that episode and listen to it where we dive in. But what I will say is that one of the things that I really like about Dear Man, if nothing else, is, I mean, honestly, the the whole deer part, which is really the meat of it. Um, because I like that Dear Man encourages you to describe and express before you actually make the ask. So this, again, does not have to look like anything crazy. We talk about this a lot in the Dear Man episode. We want the whole dear part to be just a couple sentences. We don't want to go too into it or else you're going to lose the person you're talking to, whether that person is your child or a coworker or a partner. You're just going to lose that person if you spend too much time here. But for example, with the request of having your child put on their coat, if you want to look at the D, E, and the A there, you can say something like, hey, it is 40 degrees outside today. I'm really worried that you're going to get cold if you don't wear a coat please go put your coat on. (laughs) Ta-da! And that can give the child some context. Uh, The reinforce, the R, can also be really great there too. You know, you could add that on by saying like, you know, when you're warm, you're going to be able to play outside for longer. If you get cold, I imagine you're probably going to come back in pretty soon, kind of a thing. Um, So reinforcement can be great with kids. What, what do they get or what might the negative consequences be if they're not going to do what you're asking of them? So those principles could be really great with making requests. Um, Kate and I say this in the Dear Man episode. I will say it again here. <laughs> this idea of like Dear Man for passing the salt <laughs> right you do not have to if we think about it in that way you don't have to be saying to the person across from you at the table I noticed that the salt is outside of my reach (laughs) I would really like to add some flavor to this food can you please pass this you know you don't you don't have to do this for everything in your life and you definitely do not have to do this with everything with your kids however they may be helpful principles to apply And even if your kids are still going to say, no, I don't want to put my coat on or whatever the situation may be, you can at least feel good that you were making this request in a healthy, mindful way. I can't remember what the statistic is now. I used to say it all the time when I taught parenting classes years ago, but kids, like if we're talking, I don't know say kids ages like three to seven, like that kind of an age range, in like a 30 minute period, parents make over like 40 requests or demands of kids. Holy crap. I had no idea. Yeah. It's a high number. Just, just simple things, right? Put your toys away. Go tell her you're sorry for hitting her. Um, Let's put our shoes on. It's time to go. Make sure to eat your vegetables. I mean, just Little things like that. Kids get that a lot. (laughs) So um, with the really big things that you really want, Dear Man can be helpful. Um, The other thing that felt important here, the second thing that I'll talk about is using the effectiveness piece of mindfulness. So right, there's those six core 
mindfulness skills, um, effective doing things effectively being one of them. And the whole premise behind doing things effectively in a mindful way is focusing on what works. It can be really easy to just find a way to do something and to just keep doing it that way, either hoping that eventually it'll work the way you want it to, or maybe it works great the first 10 times, but then it wears off and how effective it is. And then you might just want to keep going with it, even if it's not working anymore. And parenting is this constant adjustment based off of your child's development and their interests and scheduling and things are just always changing. And it's going to be really important that you tune in to what's actually working. If you ask your child to put on their coat three days in a row and every day they told you no, but then the fourth day they were like, okay, I'll put on my coat. Hey, <laughs> let's tune in. What worked? What was different? Was it something about you? Was it something about the environment and the circumstances? We want to tune in to what made that request effective in that moment so that you can carry that with you. And if we're not being mindful, we're not going to notice. So that can be really important too when it comes to hopefully getting your child to do the things that you want them to do or the things that they need to do is being able to notice when things are moving along effectively and what works for your child and what maybe doesn't work for your child. And building off of that pretty nicely, the final thing that I'll talk about is this idea of willingness. So I think it's really important as a parent to figure out what are the non-negotiables in your particular household or for your relationship with your child when your child is an adult? We don't say the word should very often. We don't like that <laughs> word. There should be a few non-negotiables. <laughs> um, it's important to have some things that are no ifs, ands, and, ands or buts. This is not okay. Or this is an expectation that we have of you. Some of these things probably relate to safety, keeping your kid mm -hmm. physically safe. So there are going to be some things that you're going to really stand firm on as a parent. And then there may be a lot of things that feel really important in the moment, but maybe actually aren't so important that you can be a little bit flexible on and you can have some willingness about. If we're thinking about the example of your child putting on their coat, so I'll just keep going with that. Um, maybe your child has like two or more different coats that they can choose from. And maybe you really want them to wear this particular coat when they go outside. But you say go put on your coat. They put on the coat that you didn't think they would. Now you have a choice here. You could either be like, no, go back and put on your green coat, right? Or you could be like, Thank you for putting on your coat. Now you can go out and play. <laughs> is this actually the hill I want to die on? That's yes. Are you asking? <laughs> actually the hill that I want to die on. Or can I be a little bit flexible here? And can I go with the flow a little bit more? Some of this might have to do with food choices and what your child 
eats. Uh, yep, what your child wears. <laughs> um, you know, I think there are a lot of parents, especially with young children, who practice a lot of willingness around their child wearing shoes. Like, it's not a big deal if my child, yes, that resonates for you, Kate, because you don't wear shoes. Um, you know, does it really matter if my child wears their shoes when they're in their car seat in the car? Or is it okay if they kick them off and we'll just put them on when we get to where we're getting to, right? So there can be lots of things like this that evolve and change, of course, like I already said, throughout your child's life about what you need to be willing about, especially when your child becomes a teenager, like there's going to need to be some give and take on your part because hopefully your child is becoming more dependent and is able to make more choices for themselves and deal with maybe what some of those consequences of their choices might be. But it requires you as a parent to have a willing attitude to sort of see what plays out if your child isn't doing exactly what you want. And it's a situation that can have some flexibility. It can reduce a whole lot of stress for you and a whole lot of stress for them if you're able to practice some willingness, even when you're like, you know, I don't know, you're trying to get them to eat crackers, but they only want to eat I don't know what it could be, fruit snacks or that kind of a thing. <laughs> Are the fruit snacks going to kill them as a snack? Probably not. It's okay, right? So so figuring out where you can be willing, I think, can really help in a lot of ways with, with this challenge. So, yeah. I like it. Okay. Moving on to the next one for you, Kate. Yeah. So this one... Again, I don't know. I think we did a decent job of trying to find challenges that are pretty universally applicable. Uh, yours certainly falls into that category of, I don't know, a single parent whose child doesn't, <laughs> at least on occasion, not do the thing they're being asked or told to do. Yep. Uh, so this one is coping when your kid says things that are hard for you to hear. So this can, again, span the lifetime, right? From little kids saying, I hate you, um, to your adult child criticizing you for how you parented them, right? Retrospectively looking back on how you were with them when they were a kid, right? So there's so many different things that can go into this. And the first skill that I thought about regarding this is actually check the facts, this can go, you know, this is going to look different with different ages of children, just like any other skill that we're talking about here today. But the basic idea is just to check in on, is this just my kid, right? You know, kids experiment when they're young with all sorts of things to try and figure out what will get them what they want, right? They're, they're trying out different sundry ways to manipulate you and their environment to get what they want. So is this just your kid experimenting? Is this your kid trying to be intentionally hurtful because you guys are in some kind of conflict is this right there's so many different things that could put the ball pretty squarely in your kids court um and it's not necessarily a reflection of you the decisions you're making right then or that you made in the past all the way up to okay yeah that's accurate like i did really fuck that up when you were a kid Right. Like I can see your point there. Um, right. 
whatever it is. And so I think that check the facts can, you know, everywhere from the, you know, more loosey goosey way of going through it to actually working through the worksheet, but really just trying to ground yourself in what is real, hearing criticisms from the people that we love the most often strikes really close to the core really fast and really easily, right? And children are, I guess I ought to say, ideally, someone that you love and care about very, very much. And so it can be really hard to hear any kind of hurtful thing or criticism from your kids. Uh, and that can often just escalate the emotions really fast. And it can be hard to stay grounded in what's the reality of the situation, right? If I tone down the emotions a little bit, if I, you know, take a little distance from them, and I do this worksheet, what am I going to find? Um, now, depending on how that goes, different skills are going to be useful after that. I'm kind of imagining if you end up on the side of, okay, actually, my kid has a point, right? Either I am fucking this up right now, or they're right, and I fucked that up in the past, depending on what's going on about it. What do you do in that case? And the skill that occurred to us for that one was give, right? Give is a wonderful skill to be using if you need to make repairs to a relationship. Again, this could be something in the moment where your kid says something, you take it in, you either do check the facts in your mind or you take some time away from the situation to work through it. Uh, and then it's kind of an immediate repair coming back and being like, you know, I was really upset when I heard you say that. But upon further reflection, I see where you're coming from. Right. And doing that in all of the ways that, you know, give asks us to just this idea of being soft, tender, gentle um, and really present uh, to the situation and being honest about it. Uh, also, this could be more of an in the past thing. Right. You can't necessarily go and fix anything from your child's past if you're dealing with an adult child. It's not something you can be like, okay, I've heard your criticism, I can do that differently moving forward. But it's still an opportunity to try and show them that you're listening. Um, and be willing to admit your faults and mistakes, we all have them, there's no such thing as a perfect parent. <laughs> right? And, and try and find out what you can do to help repair even that old wound. Um, so that's all the ways that give can be applied externally in those instances. But I also think of using give with yourself under those circumstances, because again, I don't know, most people want to be good parents. <laughs> They're yeah. striving to be good parents. And if you realize, oh, man, that that really was a thing that was not good parenting. Now that can range everything from, you know, just not good parenting to, oh, holy shit, right? Really bad parenting. But anywhere in there, it's likely to, I don't know, set off a lot of shame or guilt, embarrassment, um, maybe self-criticism, self-hatred, right? All of these things can, can really get stirred up. If you get to the end of that, check the facts, and you're like, okay, I did that wrong. Um, and so try and see if you can be just as gentle and validating and kind to yourself as you are being with your kid. Um, because you were doing your best. What your best looked like at any given moment can vary wildly. We all know that. That's how humans work. But you were doing your best. And so just as much as your kid deserves that give kind of way of being and approaching the situation, 
you can definitely apply to yourself as well. Um, a few different times talking about the first couple of skills now, I've mentioned this idea of, you know, just getting emotional <laughs> when you hear these things from your kids. Um, and so the last, I guess technically, I know Michelle and I both said we're only doing three skills for oh, each yeah, of this. this is kind of four ah, for this one. Cheating a little you bit. Choose out of these two. <laughs> yeah, either or, not both. There you yeah. go, ideally. Um, how upset are you? I know that over the course of the podcast, I've mentioned my own mother and my childhood a few different times. This is definitely a challenge my mom did then and still really struggles with. And so watching her try and navigate that, one of the things that at least is true for her is that her emotions don't just go up a bit. They top out, right? She reaches what DBT would call a skills breakdown point. Yeah. Um, it's like a worst case scenario for her. Yes. Yeah. What you described to me. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And so for my mom and for other people who maybe, yeah, this is just, this cuts to the quick, right? Um, maybe for someone for whom being a good mother or being a parent is foundational to their identity, right? It can feel like they're losing their identity or things like that, right? So in that case, I would say use tip, right? You're not going to be able to do check the facts. You're not going to be able to do give. You're not going to be able to do much <laughs> of anything that's going to look productive or healthy while you're in that, you know, just absolutely flipped your lid, topped out state, right? So tip if that's how emotional you've gotten. On the other hand, if your emotions are a little bit lower down on the scale, you're not at an 11 out of 10, right? You're maybe somewhere between a, a four and an eight, right? You're in that more middle ground there, maybe even a seven. Everyone's eight and seven looks different. But um, then I would say self-soothing, right? This is going to help get you better into a place of being able to utilize give, being able to utilize check the facts or anything else that you might be trying. Um, and also it's just a way of starting the ball rolling on that self-kindness, right? Because again, you're doing your best. We all fuck up. It's a natural part of being human. So can you use self-soothing to be kind to yourself? Can you use it to help get yourself to a place where your emotions are regulated to the extent that now you can engage with your child in or and or yourself in a much more productive fashion um, when it comes to facing this difficulty. So, yeah, not it's only three. I swear it's only three skills. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just the other one is a choose your own adventure. Um, but yeah, so those are the ones that I think of for that challenge. What about you, Michelle? What's the next one? Yeah. So the next one, I mean, you were just really speaking about this specific challenge of when you're hearing things that are hard to hear from your child directly. Um, but this third challenge is really about hearing things that might be hard to hear from others. You know, especially here in the United States, like uh, we have the term mom shaming as one such term. But I mean, there are a million ways to parent. There are so many choices that you're facing on any given day about how to raise your children. And chances are you are going to make a decision that is different from the parent who is next to you in the classroom at your child's open house at school or that kind of thing. 
not everybody is going to parent the same way. People are going to parent vastly differently. You may be choosing to parent very differently than your parents parented you. So (laughs) this third challenge is really about how to cope with judgment from other people. When other people are saying negative things about your parenting choices to you. Because this this can be really hard to hear. And yeah, I think it's a very common thing that as a parent, you're probably naturally having times or moments where you're second guessing yourself. I think in particular about this time with COVID. Oh, Lord. Yeah. And like, am I doing the right thing? You know, is it the right thing to keep my child at home to do remote learning? Or is it the right thing to send them back to in-person school? As just one example, right? Um, Who do I choose to expose them to when they might not be vaccinated yet? Like, there are so many choices to make as a parent that you can be maybe judgmental towards yourself. And then if you receive criticism or judgment from other people, it gets even harder to handle. So three skills for how to address that if that's happening to you. Again, whether that is judgment from somebody who you're very close to, which might hit really hard, judgment from a partner, or again, like judgment from, say, your parents or that kind of a thing. Or, I mean, this could be just like judgment online, (laughs) from strangers at a park or just yeah totally um so this can look a lot of different ways but these are skills that may be helpful here so the first thing that we thought would be helpful is fast so we use the fast skill when it comes to values when there's something that is important to you that you essentially, I don't know, I want to use the word like that you want to defend, um, but that you want to assert yourself with. Um, We have interactions like this a lot with parenting or otherwise where somebody may be wanting us to do something that doesn't feel right to us, whether that's like your boss wanting you to work overtime or a friend wanting you to go out for drinks when you're really tired or whatever it may be. And there may be times when it comes to the realm of parenting where you're really feeling pressured, whether again, that pressure is like pretty clearly coming from other people towards you, or you're just feeling like that pressure within yourself because you see that other people are making different choices around you. But using fast with other people can be really helpful to give you principles to follow to really stand up for yourself and to stand firm in your truth about what is best for your child and your family, because it may be very different than, you know, the family down the street from you, but that doesn't mean that you are in the wrong or that that other family is in the wrong. I was actually kind of thinking about this. Oh, dialectics. Yeah. I was thinking about it with the last (laughs) one that you were talking about, Kate, a little bit of like, There's a possibility, you know, like your feelings are valid and your child's feelings are valid, (laughs) right? In a way. And um, this really applies here too. So it's important to be fair to yourself, to not apologize. Oh my gosh, please do not apologize for doing what feels right for your family and your child. 
not apologize for that. <laughs> Stick to that and be clear about what's guiding you, right? With sticking to your values, what values are driving the choices that you're making? And then finally, the T stands for being truthful. So making sure that you're being honest with yourself and other people. You don't have to hide or, I don't know, um, explain away your decision-making process as a parent. You can just state it truthfully and honestly and just leave it at that. Um, I'll give a real quick personal example for this um, is that... With me being, because I'm like, this is starting before my <laughs> child is even born. Um, you know, I've had to make difficult decisions around um, having some baby showers coming up soon. And with COVID, how comfortable do I feel if I have unvaccinated guests at these baby showers? Mm, how does that feel? Um and so I actually had to pull out my fast skills to explain and tell people that I made the decision to not have unvaccinated guests be present at my baby showers. And I will be offering a Zoom baby shower to guests who are not vaccinated or can't attend for some other reason. Uh, but I really had to use the principles of fast there. And it was so hard for me to not apologize or to not veer into like this give territory of like, this has been such a hard year for all of us. Like, <laughs> you know, that kind of a thing to just be like, this is, this is the decision that I'm making. And to just really be clear about it. And so if you're one of those people who, I don't know, you find yourself having a lot of concern for what are other people going to think of me? Or like, am I making the right choice? A lot of times I believe there isn't a single right choice. It's just whatever choice is best for you. So starting to get comfortable with using fast may be really, really important for you to be standing by the decisions that you're making for, for your child or children. The second thing is the concept of the dime game. So as a brief reminder, the dime game is a tool that you can use to help you decide how strongly to say yes to something or how strongly to say no. So it's a series of questions. We have a whole episode about it. I think it's 10 questions. Yeah, um, like whether you ask for something or whether you say no yeah. to something and how strongly you do it. Yep. yep, exactly. So it walks you through these questions to ask yourself. And then at the end, depending on what your answers were to those questions, you're basically told how strongly to um, ask for something or how strongly to say no. So the reason why we wanted to put this in here is because there may be a range here, like we were acknowledging a moment ago, of where this judgment might be coming from from other people and what, what it's about. Ranging from some random person you don't know at the park, like you were talking about, Kate, who just, I don't know, seems to be giving you side eye or made some kind of little comment all the way ranging up to, let's say, you and your partner having major disagreements about what parenting decisions to make in your household. And having judgment or criticism from each of those different scenarios is going to feel quite different within yourself. And the dime game can really help you figure out 
how strongly do I do something about this? Like, when do I, yes, really need to use my voice and use my fast skills? <laughs> when do I really need to say something? When is this actually important to address? And when can I let this go? Like, when does this not really matter? There may be times where I don't need to say anything. And it can be helpful to help you determine that internally because, you know, there is a lot of judgment out there and you could really wear yourself out trying to defend your actions to everybody. You don't need to defend yourself to everybody. It's actually probably very few people, I would argue, where you truly need to have a conversation about this is what's important to me and this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. And um, especially if it's somebody who is around your child's with some regularity, I would like you to do the same thing. <laughs> um, there are going to be those times and then there's going to be times where it doesn't matter for the most part. So the dime game can really help you get clear on that. If every criticism or every judgment seems to be landing the same way within you to help you decide when to use your voice and when it's okay to just kind of let it float away. Uh, the last thing we thought about, actually, Kate, <laughs> I was going to say this. You did a slash as well. I did. And I forgot that I did. <laughs> like, <laughs> pick, pick one of these two. Um, we talk about both of these a lot because they serve a similar purpose. They just have different flavors is how I think about it. But if you are in regular contact with people in your life and these are stressful relationships for you, but you have to see this person or these people for better or worse, right? These could be other like parents in your kids' classrooms. Let's say you volunteer in your kid's class on Wednesday and so does this other parent. And boy, does that parent say some critical, judgy things either directly about you or indirectly about other people or who knows, right? But... <sighs> You can't volunteer another day. <laughs> it's important for you to volunteer your kid's classroom. This parent isn't changing their day. I'm going to see them every Wednesday. Totally made up random example. But <laughs> how am I going to be okay going into this interaction with this person? Let's say it's your in-laws that every time you're at a holiday, your mother-in-law says something, maybe without intending to be critical, but says something very judgmental about your parenting choices. And this happens with some regularity every single holiday. You can predict pretty safely that this is going to take place. Even if you don't know exactly word for word what she's going to say this time, you know it's pretty likely. And so when you can see something coming up of like, ooh, this may be a difficult situation for me to be in. It's hard for me to be around this person it's hard for me to handle some of the things that they've said to me in the past. And now I'm going to be around them again, maybe for the first time since I last saw them. And they said this really critical thing is to choose either between cope ahead or effective rethinking impaired relaxation. So the concept behind both of these is for you to take time on your own when you are calm and relaxed and not in that situation with that person to imagine it playing out and to imagine how you want to respond. 
And um, especially with the effective rethinking and paired relaxation, it gives you a script. It gives you something that you can tell yourself as sort of a mantra when you're in that actual situation. So it helps you practice and get prepared. And then to have that in your back pocket that you get to pull out when you are in your kid's class next Wednesday or when you are at that family gathering and your mother-in-law makes whatever comment she's going to make that time, you are ready to go. (laughs) And so hopefully it won't be as triggering because you've already done some internal work to get yourself ready and to remind yourself that even if it does hurt what they say, I I don't want to invalidate that. People can say some pretty awful things. Even if it's going to like hurt when you hear this person say that thing that it will hopefully help you stay a little better regulated and you take better care of yourself than feeling like, well, now the Thanksgiving dinner is completely ruined because of what she said. Or, well, I'm not coming back to volunteer in my kid's class, even though this is something that's really important to me. I just can't do it anymore, right? Hopefully this is something that can help you still focus on the good in the situation rather than getting caught up and overwhelmed and flooded by this negative exchange with someone. Picking one of those skills could really help with that. Yeah. I guess this is the last challenge. I feel like we're already on to challenge number four. Fast today. We are going pretty fast. That's funny. Here we are. Talk as much or as little as you want about it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so the fourth challenge that we thought about is the challenge of like being fully present with your kid, right? I've definitely heard lots of parents talk about, you know, I just wish I were better at paying attention. I wish I were more in the moment with them. I wish I weren't, you know, multitasking so much or distracted or on my phone Mm -hmm. or whatever, whatever, right? This, This idea that they're not really with their child in the time that they're spending with their child and that they are distressed by that. Right. And that can look like so many different things and for so many different reasons, but it still pairs down to this idea of like, am I here when I'm here? Right. With my kid. Um, And I keep saying kid, I don't know, child, but I don't know. I think actually I wasn't thinking about this when we were thinking about them, Michelle, the challenges, but I do think a considerable number of these actually work no matter how old your kid is, including yeah. if they're adults. Um, anyway, I just thought that was funny because I wasn't thinking about it at the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yet. Um, so perhaps unsurprisingly, this is the second challenge where we talk about mindfulness, right? Because that's the whole mindfulness gig, right? <laughs> is being present. Now, this can look, I'm gonna, all right, I have to say that phrase fewer times. Stop saying this can look many different ways. See, I was told, told everyone I get repetitive. Uh, <laughs> um, let's see. Mindfulness can be practiced in a number of different fashions where it can be helpful in this regard. Uh, it's not just about practicing mindfulness in that moment when you're with your child, though that is absolutely one way that you could use the skill of mindfulness to tackle this challenge. Also, practicing mindfulness at any other time can also help you be more fully present with your child because you're still getting in practice at being present. 
You're practicing how to get your brain to pay attention to what you want it to pay attention to, right? You're practicing being non-judgmental. You're practicing being fully present. You're practicing that sort of one thing at a time, all of that in a way that, you know, practice well. Practice makes better. Is there a word other than perfect that starts with a P that would fix I that like saying? Practice makes progress. Oh, hey, there like you go. That expression or that I like that change. better. Yes, because no one's perfect. No amount of practice makes perfect. <laughs> right? Who came up with that? I don't know. Somebody who thought you could be perfect. Uh, right, but practice makes progress. That's exactly what I want. Um, and so it doesn't matter when or how you're practicing mindfulness. As long as you're building on that practice, as long as you're maintaining that practice in some regard, you're giving yourself a leg up the next time you're with your kid and you want to be focused on them and on your interaction with them. Um, so many different aspects of mindfulness, I don't know, help with this anyway, right? Being non-judgmental, right? That can just help being with kids, being non-judgmental towards yourself, being non-judgmental towards your environment, being non-judgmental non towards your kid. Right? There's, um, there's a whole lot of letting go of judgment that can help make times with your kids better and also help you be more present. I think about I don't know, my sister, when the kids, when her children were small and, you know, no shade on my sister. This, I think, is abjectly normal. The house was a mess, right? Toys all over the place, Cheerios in unexpected places, right? <laughs> Houses become a mess. And so it can interrupt you being present with your children if when you're spending time with your kids, what you're noticing is, oh, that needs to be cleaned and we need to put this away. And what if, you know, someone stops by and sees the house like this? And right, <laughs> like, if you're being judgmental, you're not being fully present, right, to what's actually going on. You're lost, right? You're future tripping or judging or other things. So I, I wrote in the notes, actually, mindfulness, 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 because, uh, yeah, I, I have a hard time finding an aspect of this challenge where mindfulness can't be helpful. So um, if you did nothing else for this, practice mindfulness. Uh, when I think about other things, though, that can get in the way of being fully present, the next thing that came to our mind was please, right? The please skill. Because when please is sucking... It's awfully hard to say be... everything else kind of falls apart. Everything else kind of sucks. Yes, exactly. Yeah. If please sucks, everything sucks, right? If mom isn't happy, ain't nobody happy, right? <laughs> like, if you're not taking care of physical illnesses, if you're not eating right, if you're not sleeping well, if you're right, if all of that is just a dumpster fire, it's going to be hard to be present if you're hangry, tired, ill. <laughs> Like, that's not, that is not going to make for a very present person. And I don't just mean with your kids. You're just going to have a hard time being present for anything. Um, to reiterate, Michelle and I always say this, and I don't think it will ever stop being worth repeating. No one's good about everything and please all the time. That doesn't happen. That's not human. Don't worry about it. Right? See the above. Practice makes progress, not perfection. Right? Please is never going to be perfect. Just ever. But if you find that you're really struggling with this idea of being present, look at your please stuff, right? 
see if there's one in particular that is more on fire than the rest and so maybe is having a bigger impact. Probably if you're an adult by now, you might know the thing that makes a bigger impact for you. Michelle, I know you've talked about being hangry. Mm -hmm. I've just never experienced that. Oh my gosh. I have to eat on, I mean, honestly, it's a fairly (laughs) regimented schedule. Like if I go more than five hours without eating, it's not good. Like I have to at least have a snack. Yeah, I've just never, I mean, I get hungry, but it's just, yeah, I've never gotten hangry. I've never seen it do much to impact my mood. These days with all my weird stomach stuff, I'll make it often three, four, five, six o'clock at night before I eat anything. Um, so. I don't even want to think about how I would be. I'm not good if I don't get breakfast. <laughs> Let alone if I didn't get breakfast or lunch. No. On the other hand, if we're just comparing ourselves, Michelle, you're a fucking trooper when you're sick. And I yeah. am not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am not. I'm not a big, I don't know, I don't fall abjectly apart, but I'm distracted. Right? Yeah. If I'm, That's going to get I'm, in your way of being present. With yep, stuff it's going to get super in my way of being present. Uh, same thing with, I'm getting sadly better i don't know i don't know if i'm glad that i'm getting better at working on less sleep (laughs) uh in my in my uh well in my youth i was really good at it and then i went through a span of years where if i got much under eight hours of sleep i was a wreck um and i seem to be coming back into well if i manage seven that's a miracle um right but you know you right whoever you are you know you you know which ones of these that you know maybe it's not that far off but if it's even a little off it causes you to struggle Right. So just look at it, consider it, see which things maybe could use the most attention or which ones impact you the most and put some work into that. And that can do a surprising amount to help you be present to things in your life, including your kids. And the last thing that we put on here is uh, radical acceptance. Uh, See that progress makes per... Ah, see, I almost said it again. It's so ingrained in that way that they... Oh, now it almost said progress makes perfection. What the fuck does that even mean? Uh, all right. Reset your brain a little, Kate. <laughs> Practice makes progress. There we go. I will get it. Um, no one's perfect. Especially at parenting and especially at being present all the time when parenting. Turns out being a parent doesn't turn off the rest of your life. Right? You can't just be like, all right, cool, I have a child. Nothing else exists. And this child is now the totality of my focus every waking minute. And that just doesn't work. Shit happens. Right? You are still probably needed to adult in some fashion. Pay bills, run errands, do chores, answer the phone, go to work. I don't know what else. Right? Like... You have other tasks at hand. You have things that get in the way that you don't have control over. You have things that get in the way that I guess technically you have control over, but no one can control everything in their life, even if technically they could. Does that make sense? That was a weird sentence. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whether something's under your influence or not, you may not have the space in your life to exercise that influence. There you go. That was better. Um, So radical acceptance. You're not going to be present all the time for anything or anyone. And the more you beat yourself up about that, the less present you'll be. (laughs) Um, See that mindfulness bit at the beginning with all of the judgment, right? So at some point, you have to let go. 
you know, if this has been a real challenge, put some work into it, do what you can, and then at some point you're going to get to the end of what you can realistically do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And wherever that end is for you, you've got to let go after that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if I can chime in, too, a little bit on the radical acceptance. Sure, I have another thought, too. We'll both get there. Uh, I, I will be maybe not terribly surprised if our thought is the same. Because right. sometimes we have the same brain. So let's sometimes. see. Sometimes. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, I really like how you're talking about that of just kind of, like, being accepting of yourself that it's way too high of a bar to set to be fully present with your child all the time. I think sometimes what can happen with people is that they find it really easy to be present during the rosy, fun, joyful times mm-hmm. with their mm-hmm. child. Right? You have yeah. these moments where it's like, ah, oh, it's so easy to be present with them. <laughs> this is the good stuff, right? Or, you know, I don't know. And then if they're a young child and they're having a tantrum or a meltdown, or if they're an older child and... They're having a tantrum or a meltdown. (laughs) (laughs) They just look different. (laughs) Uh, They're being defiant. They're breaking their curfew. I don't know, right? It can look so many different ways. But those are the times where it can be really easy to want to, like, pick and choose And not want to be fully present for those times because those times don't feel as good. Mm -hmm. And radical acceptance is also about, I I love the idea of radically accepting your own self where you're going to be at. And it's also about radically accepting your child, Mm -hmm. whether it's a great day with your kid and everything's flowing and you guys are having so much fun together Or whether it's a day where nothing seems to be going right. (laughs) And how can you still be fully present with your child on those days? Like, that's going to require a radical acceptance mindset. (laughs) So, I don't know, Kate, is that where you were going to go? No, but that last bit that you said is a perfect segue. Okay, Uh, perfect. Because (laughs) you were talking about bad days. And the last thing I was going to say is, you know, along with that, wherever you get to the end of what you can do, let go. Right? That Mm -hmm. kind of radical Mm -hmm. acceptance. I also wanted to point out that not all days are created equal. Yeah. So also having radical acceptance that perhaps today you're less present than yesterday. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe you'll be more present tomorrow or maybe you'll be less present tomorrow. Life happens, right? And so radical acceptance. Oh man, see between us I I'm don't do this, but I imagine it would make an amazing drinking game to say uh, every time we say, this can look so many different ways. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> we have said that too much this episode, Michelle. Too much. The- yeah. <laughs> anyway, we why have not? Our own I'm going with it. We'll own it. Weird things <laughs> that we say a lot. And- Radical yeah. acceptance can also look so many ways. Um And it's so, you know, overarchingly, it can be this big thing, right? Accepting the large truth that... You know, no one is present all the time for everything, and you just have to, generally speaking, accept that. And it can look smaller, just radically accepting that today is not your best day mm-hmm. for whatever reason. <laughs> right? So, you know, radical acceptance, big and radical acceptance, small. Both of them, I think, can really be, well, applicable to all of parenting, right? But especially that idea of. Of being present. Because you're not going to be all the time. 
It's a good thing to strive for, so long as you realize you'll never reach it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I think that's it. That's what I have, if you have yeah. any additional thoughts. Um, not too many. We kind of touched on it uh, like halfway through going over the challenges, but you just like touched on it again. There are so many dialectics within the realm of parenting. Yes. Um, you know, just that idea of like, you're doing your best and it's never going to be perfect. And like, <laughs> just there's so many dialectical concepts that if you're able to notice dialectics within yourself as a parent, I just think that alone can really make things a hell of a lot easier when you're able to notice how multiple things can be true at once. Right? Mm-hmm. My child can be <laughs> uh, very difficult on some days and a joy to be around on other days. And, <laughs> you know, um, uh, yeah, I'm just going to do some things well as a parent and some things I'm going to really struggle with as a parent. And we could go on and on, but overarchingly that seemed like a good note to end on is this idea of like notice the dialectics within parenting and if there's you know a dialectic that you notice yourself coming back to and if that helps you through the really hard days and through the really hard moments um fantastic keep keep coming back to it (laughs) so yeah. All right. On to homework and our awkward self-promotion. Yes. So true to form, we've formatted a lot of our monthly episodes in this manner where we each talk about different challenges and that we talk about different DBT skills that might help with each challenge. And I say it a lot. Going to say it again today. Pick <laughs> one of the challenges. And then within that challenge, pick one of the skills to try. So. This will all go up in the Facebook group and yeah, pick, pick a starting point. Don't try to do them all at once. Way too much. Um, Way too much. And right. There may be those of you out there who are not parents and you're like, cool, I don't get to, you know, if you do do the homework that we recommend, which I hope maybe some of you do. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But if you're thinking to yourself, well, cool, then I don't have any homework. These things can apply outside of parenting. Any relationship can have these struggles. Any relationship can have these struggles. Exactly. I think in particular, actually, about if we were to go through and replace child with partner. Mm-hmm. When your partner isn't doing what you want, coping with your partner, saying things that are hard to hear. <laughs> yeah, coping with people uh, criticizing your relationship with your partner. Yep. How you handle that. Yep. Being fully present with your partner. <laughs> These it's things true. can all apply in the same way. So if you're in a relationship, you could try this out. But even if you're, you know, single. If you have a parent, because let me right? tell you, a lot of these could uh, apply the other direction as well yes. from child to parent. Totally. Any close relationship. So hopefully... Even if, you know, you listen to this episode, but maybe at the beginning when we were introducing it, you're like, well, since I'm not a parent, I'm only going to really kind of half listen or tune in. I hope there was still something from today that you can pull from, as we were just acknowledging, to apply to any close relationship in your life. 
even though we did design it specifically around parenting, maybe some something was still helpful that you can pick to try out over this next month. Um, so yeah, and then with um, Awkward Self-Promotion, we have people to shout out for the Patreon page. Yay! Woo-hoo! Yeah, we have gotten a couple new patrons recently, and we are shouting out today Amy and Bruce. Thank you, Amy and Bruce. Thank you, Amy and Bruce, for being patrons. And if you want to become a patron, too, like they did, you can go to patreon.com slash dbt and me. So you can check out our Patreon page there. And check out our Etsy shop. Just going to etsy.com and searching for dbt and me. You'll find... Again, it always feels so weird to say merch, but that's really what it is. Um... Cool no, we, we don't have it's not branded stuff. merch. If you've never That's gone true. to look because you think it's all branded, it's it not doesn't have branded. our logo anywhere. Nope, it's just mine. Well, not mindfulness. It's just DBT related. Yes, stuff. DBT themed items. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, give us a rating or write us a review on Apple Podcasts if you listen there. Send us emails, uh, dbtmepodcast at gmail.com. I would be particularly interested with this episode because, as we said at the beginning, with Kate and I not being parents ourselves and not going through these challenges with children of our own, how well did we do (laughs) with Mm -hmm. what we came up with today? Did you try some of this out and was it helpful for you? Are there other things that you would recommend because if you have other things that you're like, hey, as a parent, this is a challenge I've been experiencing with my child or children and this is the DBT skill I've used and it's really helped me, guess what? We will share that with our Facebook community or we'll talk about it on a QA. and um, If you had questions about other parenting related things, um, but I'd love feedback on this episode in particular um, just because. Absolutely. I, I hope, I hope some of it was helpful, and if there are things we left out or other things you're doing, we want to share that information for sure. And then the final thing that we've been adding on recently is that if you haven't already, you can check out our other podcast, The Couch and the Chair. You can just search for it wherever you're currently listening to DBT and me, and it's on all the same platforms. And we are, you know putting up episodes there bi-weekly. So we're posting there a little bit more than we're posting here. And there's some pretty good content and some episodes we've recorded recently that may have topics of interest to you. So you can search for the couch and the chair and check us out there as well. I like it. You say we post those a little bit more often. Another way you could phrase that is twice as often. That's Double true. as much. Double it sounds as much, much more that way. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. We are we are posting there twice twice as often. There you so. go. See, it sounds much yeah. more grandiose. <laughs> Good point. Oh, okay, on to the closing moment for today. Yes. Okay. So, as per usual, just find a comfy position for your body, whatever that looks like today. Be sitting, standing, laying down, walking slowly, whatever feels good and right. And if you feel safe and comfortable doing so, I invite you to go ahead and close your eyes. Start, as usual, by just tuning into your breath. <sighs> <sighs> 
You don't need to breathe any more slowly or any more deeply than you do naturally. It's just about paying attention. Just about really focusing in on the rhythms and the sensations of your breath. And letting them welcome you into your body and into the present moment. So today, I'd love for you to take a moment and bring into your mind's eye an image of yourself as a child. If a specific age leaps into your mind's eye immediately, you can go ahead and stick with that. Or if there's a time in your childhood that you remember as being particularly difficult, maybe a time you were particularly struggling with your own parents or those who were raising you, you might decide to picture yourself at that age in particular. So take a moment and just try and add as much detail and make this vision of yourself as realistic as possible. Once you have that image in your mind's eye, I'd love for you to do one of two things, depending on the age that you're picturing yourself and depending on what feels appropriate. Either I'd love for you to take the hand of your child self and just start walking with them. Or if it feels better and more appropriate, you can also scoop your child self up into your lap to hold them. Once you've done that, take some time and ask your child self what they need. What's missing in their life right now? Maybe ask them what they wish their parent were doing differently. Ask them what their struggles with their parents are. Just giving them some time to have a voice that maybe they didn't have at the time. Giving them a chance to have someone who's listening. Giving them a chance to have someone who cares, who's paying attention, who ideally feels some care, some tenderness, some love for them. No matter what they have to say, Try and listen with an open mind and an open heart. Try to be as non-judgmental as you can. If the age at which you were picturing your child self is young enough that that child would be not verbal yet, you can either just take this time to hold them and be with them and communicate through touch that love, that tenderness, that sweetness. Or, this is your imagination. There's no reason that child self of yours can't talk, no matter what age they are. If you feel like you can give words to what their pains were at that time, what their struggles were. 
this gives a chance for a part of you again to have a voice. Also, if you happen to be a parent yourself, this can be good information. This might help you recall some things your parents did that you would like to do differently. This may be an opportunity to remember what some of the needs and desires of a child are, so you can assess how you're meeting those for your own children. Just taking that time, just being present and listening. Remember, this part of you is there and accessible whenever you want, whenever you'd like to talk with them or walk with them, or maybe you're sensing that they could use to be held. Maybe the conversation, the things that they have to say to you could take a lot longer than the time I'm giving you right now for this closing moment. And then you'd like to go back and finish it at a later time. But for now, go ahead and say goodbye. Maybe give your child self a hug or a kiss on the forehead. Whatever feels good and appropriate and right. And then allow the image to fade from your mind's eye. Once you've allowed that to fade, go ahead and start bringing yourself back into your body, into the now, into your space. Maybe take a couple of slow, deep breaths. Maybe do some stretching. Whenever you feel ready to do so, you can go ahead and open your eyes. Thanks so much, everyone. Thanks, everybody. To learn more about us and the DBT skills we're teaching each week, join our Facebook group. Simply log in to your Facebook profile and search for DBT and Me Podcast.